If you're an average player, you want to be left alone, right? Because you want to be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want the coach to tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You want to know every play. Because you know why? They want to be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things. Welcome to the Goat Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a goat, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Jubenville, and welcome to another episode of the Goat Consulting Podcast right here in VC Productions in studio in Nashville, Tennessee. Always at the table is my good friend, Tyler Burnett. Tyler is the founder and CEO of the Goat Family of Brands. He's got on his nostalgic throwback. Yes. Goat brand for today. And to the left, he came in a sprinter, by the way. Did you know that? In the sprinter. He can email, eat, text, exercise while somebody else drives him. From Charleston to Waffle House to to the Masters. I've never exercised. It's not a bad idea. Wherever you may go. And to the left, (laughs) we call him the LinkedIn Whisperer, the calming force to our show, Captain Kintsugi. Thank you. My good friend, John Byers. We have a great guest with us today. It is a continuation. Our good friend, Lindsay. (laughs) A continuation. (laughs) A continuation. I will say to the audience that I've been on Dayquil. And uh, it's been a little tough. Uh, I haven't really gotten the support that I needed from. <laughs> Do, are we going to have an episode from, about excuses? From those I feel like that maybe me. they make it. Uh, you so need to hire Lindsay. I, did, I was yeah. going to say, we could turn this into a coaching session. Uh, well, I feel like it is, and I need to be restored. And Lindsay is the CEO and founder of the Restoration Project right there in, in beautiful Cedar Rapids, Iowa. She's all the way from Nebraska. She's got an incredible story. Before we do that, we like to always set the stage and say that we are the GCP, the GOAT Consulting Podcast. Yes. We serve it up in a way that you can get it. And we do that because of our relationship with Dev Digital. Mm. And if you need anything done, platforms, websites, apps, Social media, Google, Google reviews, whatever it is that you need, all the way from Zambia to the Bahamas <laughs> to one of their global offices around the world. Call right. our friends at Dev Digital. Yep. They support what we do. We serve it up in a way that you can get it. Um, and we're uh, we're about stages of life and career. In our 20s, they teach us to get in the game. 30s, get in the, uh, move up in the game. 40s, try to stay in the game. Uh, we won't ask you how old you are. And 50s. But with what the research is, we finally say, what is it that you really want? And part of what you've done with our audience in the, in the first part of your uh, episode is talk about what is it that you really wanted. And certainly you went through your stages of life and career. And goats are easy to see in sports. It's people that elevate the play around them. They're recognized for their greatness. But in business, it's people that compete on unique perspective, unique education, and unique experience. And what they do gives them energy giving other people energy, creating new levels of challenge and new levels of opportunity. And, Lindsay, you've done that in your career when you decided to take that moment and say, I'm going to walk away from corporate and I'm going to start my own thing and I'm going to invest in the world in the way that I want to. And so uh, we appreciate you being here today. John, certainly appreciate you teeing up that connection. And yep. and we will continue to move forward. Yeah, and if, if uh, I, I would encourage you to look up Grit, Gratitude, and Grace, check out Lindsay's blog. She is a lot of things and wonderful things in life. Wife, daughter, leads the restoration project, which we're going to unpack that a little bit more here today. So a couple of things that you said in our first episode, which by the way, pause right now, wherever you're listening, Pocket Cast, YouTube, Google, Apple, Spotify, 
Tell your friends, tell your lovers, go back, listen to the first episode uh, with Lindsay. It is worth uh, the time to learn more about her story. But you said a few things that I just want to bring back. First of all, you said you betcha a few times, and you probably (laughs) would have guessed that that is not a term that we use often in the South. And I'm so glad to have you bring it to Nashville and out to the world. So please feel free you're welcome. You betcha. You betcha. Y'all are welcome. You also said uh, you gave us your definition of a goat. You'll have to go back and listen for that, but it was really beautiful. And uh, you help people line up their actions and their uh, intentions. I, you said mm-hmm. some iteration of that. That's what I heard. That's what I wrote down. Uh, I want to hear, as we talk, I want to learn more about the Restoration Project. Hopefully you'll share a story or two with us that helps us really learn more about what you do. I love how you just get super deep real quick, and hopefully we'll do that in this episode too. Um, Tell us what it means to you. Like, define restoration. Good question. So it is um, kind of taking a, a step back in your life or in your work or in your organization and doing an audit of what's working, what isn't, um, what you really want it to be. So painting an ideal vision, whether that's for your life or your team or your organization, and then figuring out what, what, what are the gaps? What do I need to let go of? Um, what do I need to add to make this what I really want it to be. And at a deeper level than just strategy, but how do we create purpose and meaning in the process of doing that? Well, and it seems like one thing that you said in the first episode is, and we didn't camp on this a lot, so I want to hear your thoughts, but you said um, that we tend to make choices from a place of wounding. And I connected that dot to two other things that you shared in the first episode Uh, growing up with an abusive father Mm -hmm. and then later on in life having uh, an abusive relationship. Can you talk about that? Because to me, where you are today is very much restorative than where you've been. So I think Uh, about the dash mm -hmm. in between those two choices and the dash that led you to here today and how much that fuels your business. Yeah. Well, we all have that personal narrative, right? The experiences. What's difficult about the word wound is even if you had a perfect childhood, the experience, (laughs) some people like to argue with me about that, but (laughs) your experience created narratives and beliefs that most of us are walking around, not even aware of. Mm -hmm. Um, So whether it's, it was out of big T or little T trauma, or somebody made fun of you, you're carrying that subconsciously. And then you are acting out of that. So for me growing up with a dad, the narrative I was playing as a little girl was um, I'm not safe. Uh, I can't trust anyone. Um, I'm unlovable. And why is he doing this to me? So I'm carrying that now forward into relationships and even into my leadership style. I didn't trust anyone. I didn't feel safe. So I was one of those leaders at the beginning that was trying to outperform everybody, trying to outshow everybody to prove because I didn't feel safe um, or worthy, trying to prove my worthiness and my place in the team. 
And that really hurt a lot of people. And in my personal life, my husband, another pivotal point for me, when two years into dating, my current husband just, he broke up with me and said, you're never going to trust me. And so this can't go Mm. anywhere. And I had to. For everything you want, for everything you need, you'll always (laughs) stay a million miles away. You got a secret garden. That's right. I wasn't letting him in and I wasn't being um, real and vulnerable about how I was feeling. And so that was work I had to do through therapy and my own healing. And I see us doing that in small ways in leadership, right? Leadership is a relationship. You're, you have a relationship with the people that you work with. And if you don't feel safe and open and like you can trust people, you're going to act very differently than if you have that peace and safety internally. You know, you're going to be more open to ideas. You're not going to get defensive. You're going to make decisions out of love and care for others versus a scarcity mindset or putting the hammer down on people. So when you, I don't want to camp on this long, but maybe one more question here is, is it marked me when you talked about making choices from a place of wounding, when you moved into this relationship, the abusive relationship later on after you've moved out away from your family, how is it that the, the, your wound of your childhood in some ways caused you to settle for this person that would treat you in some ways very similar? Can you talk about that? And maybe how does that resonate in how we make decisions about business and life and other relationships? Yes. Um, two things that were pivotal for me. One, because of that interaction that I had with my dad, I didn't feel like I was worthy. I felt broken and of somebody I didn't that feel would treat you much better. Like, is that what you yeah. mean? Okay. I didn't feel like I deserved somebody who would treat me better, mm. um, in a, in a weird way. But the biggest aha for me was my definition and experience with love through that relationship with my dad was violent and um, intense. So love to me was you're jealous all the time, even in my dating relationships, like prove to me that I'm worth it and you care about me by fighting with me or being jealous. So when I started dating my now husband, who is the kindest, gentlest man, he's like, lady, you're crazy. (laughs) Like, this is not, this should be comfortable and easy. And what are you trying to do? Picking fights with me all the time. Mm. (laughs) So I had to rewire that for, for on my own. Mm. We'll we'll discuss it later. How you can get, (laughs) give me that information. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to sit down now. How do you, how do you see in, in the work that you do in business, How do you see that what you just described, people's wounds from their childhood or in life, I should say, come out in their roles in leadership? Mm-hmm. And how do you coach often, them and help them through that? Yeah, often it, it's it's a, aggressive behaviors or power over people like Brene likes to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So you are the boss. You're interrupting people all the time. You're demanding things of people. You are, um, through your behavior, telling them, suck it up Mm. and don't want to explore what is under that or approaching them with curiosity and compassion. That's what I see most often. And in themselves, they're trying to push through, like, I have this 
I can just sense when somebody is resistant. So, so the CFO, if I can tell this story, the CFO that I worked with, he, he, when we came in, he flat out told me at the beginning, I hate the name of your company. We don't need restoration. I don't need restoration. (laughs) And I had to be. Who Who signed the deal with you? Was it the CEO? CEO. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So then you go mm-hmm. to the CFO. And it's a large. So you're, you're diving yeah. in. You're you're sitting down the first time with the CFO, and he's like, we don't need you, and I hate your name. <laughs> he must, not, he must not have trusted the CEO very much. Yeah. <laughs> well, really. hence why I was there. I mean, literally sitting there with his <laughs> arms crossed, you know, like you're not mm-hmm. going to get anything out of me. So I just kept working on him and kept um, showing up, asking him questions, getting what I could out of him. And eventually when we started talking strategy and I started asking him questions about his budget and the things he owned, he got really defensive, freaked out on me, um, lots of expletives for many minutes. And when he was, and you know, in the inherent nature of me, you guys is I will kill you right now. (laughs) I will bite you, but we're, we're over zoom. So that helped. But I just sat in that looking at him like you are a wounded little boy. That's what I saw in this 60 some year old man was, whoa, you are acting this way because you're threatened. Mm. And I don't know where that comes from or what that is, but I let him say his piece. And at the end, I just said, Bill, you will never speak to me that way again. And when you're ready, I'd like to talk about what just happened. And then he, so he called me back a couple of days later and he just point blank asked me like, why do you keep showing up? And that was a trigger for me that this is, this is an open invitation now. Now we can get somewhere. And so I just asked him, have you ever felt safe to be who you really are and to be honest? And he said, no. And that's what people are carrying around. He's a very successful man on all accounts on the outside. But right now, this, I don't think a lot of people know this, the suicide rate at for men age 38 to 52 is the highest of any category. Like, wow, you're carrying the weight of your whole family and mm-hmm. society and culture. And you have to keep it all together in this pressure to do it all on your own and the stigma around asking for help. It's not good. As you were talking, the thing, the best lessons, I share this all the time and the best lessons in life for me are ones that transcend over marriage, parenting, work, relationships, life, business, every all, all over, right? Like I can easily transfer those as you were talking. And as I think about this concept of <clears throat> making choices from a place of wounding, which I probably do, I certainly do in every area of my life, it took me to parenting. And it took me mm. to the ways that I probably carry the wounds of growing up and the ways that I don't want to blame because I own my own actions, right? And I learned it from somewhere and I own them today. But I imagine like having those conversations with my boys and my daughter someday, but she's pretty perfect. So she wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't have these where they talk to me. My, my boys have talked to me probably not as intensely as your CFO friend, but where I would say, you can't talk to me like that. And when you're ready to have a, I would like what I want to say here, and it's coming out very messy, is I want to respond to them and others in my life the way that you did, right? Mm. And to be able to someday hear them ask the question of me, 
why did you keep showing up? Like, that's what I want with my kids. That's the biggest, that's the thing I suck the most at. I'm mm. so competitive that when I get something to me, I, I just, just like what you were saying, I, I will kill you. Mm. <laughs> and that's the biggest thing that I struggle. Like, me being so competitive is what's so good about me and that I will outwork you and that I will show up when you're not willing to show up and I'll, I will study harder and I will grind and I will do those things. But one of the weaknesses that I have is that I'm so competitive and you know, it's a double edged sword. And sometimes me and my wife or kids will get into it and it's, it's, they do something that triggers my competitive side Mm -hmm. and it makes me fight. I get it. I I don't know if fight or flight is that right terminology, but uh, that is one thing that I'm really working on right now to just not be so competitive. Like, Mm. I still want to be competitive when it's time to be competitive, but I want to be able to step away from it when it's just a conversation with my wife. I just fire back. I'm just, mm. I just want to win, mm. you know? So that's, mm-hmm. that's one thing I'm really working on in my relationship. Give that time. You, you'll, you'll lose that desire at some point. <laughs> uh, when, when well, you, when you, that's about space too. give your, giving yourself space yeah. to think about how you're showing up in each of those different Cause I'm that way too. I still get that way. My girlfriends and I played a Euchre game and I suck at Euchre and I got so mad that I went upstairs and started crying because I was losing. So it's like, lady, you're crazy. I want to, I want to come back just quickly to something that you said a moment ago. Um, and you said when you're ready to have a conversation, I, there's something really key that I think our audience that I took away and I want to encourage our audience to pay attention to there is that you set it up to let's have space and I want to talk about this again. And I think that's really key. And I, and I try to do it with my kids, right? Like I'm going to set a boundary here because you can't talk to me like that. And we're going to finish this conversation. So I think what you did there was really important and I don't want, it's funny that you said that. I don't that. want to miss it, and I don't want to. On the way home, on the way back from uh, the Masters this past week, we were we got into an argument, and she tends to shut down, and I want to I want to talk about it now. Yeah. And so I, I said, you know what? I'm not going to say anything until she says something. We drove for oh, an nice. hour and a half. Yeah. And Science. I was boiling. <laughs> Dying it's inside. Funny, it's funny that when we didn't, when we did give it space, like you just mentioned, John, and we sat down to eat. And then it was brought up. It's funny how much better we handled it versus, or how I handled it, I should say. I don't think that what she did was right either, being silent and just looking out the window. But I think that if we could have had that conversation to say, let's just reconvene on this when when we're ready to reconvene on this, I think a lot of times it would handle a lot better. Is is part of the work that you do within the Restoration Project helping, helping, leaders bring out their feelings in an appropriate way in the workplace. I feel like that's what I, you haven't said, but you have said over and over again, maybe talk a little about that because there's a stigma around that with Mm -hmm. men, I think with people in general, certainly in the workplace, we want to put this mask on, but I feel like part of the work you do is helping people appropriately bring out and share their feelings in the environment that they're in. Yes. So one, there's two things there to unpack. One, most people don't have good emotional language. Mm. We can't even name what we're feeling. I'm angry. That's the one I feel the most, but under anger is hurt. There's always something under anger. Yes. Yes. So giving people 
teaching people how to access what are you really feeling and give them language is one part of it. And then two, teaching them that there's a difference between processing and reacting out of emotion. Mm. So, so in that moment with Bill, you know, I, if I was in my reaction mode and where I normally was two years ago, I would have just flown right off and engaged in that conversation. But this, now I know how to process that feeling, breathe into it, Mm. bring myself back to the present moment, see him and where he's at and what he's doing and know that engaging in that at this time is going to end badly. So I can control my emotions. I, now what happened when we got off the phone, what I went into the other room and punched my pillow until I was sweating (laughs) to get that out of my body. Cause I was angry too. But that's that's what we're trying to teach leaders, the emotional language and then how to process it. Is the goal to move people from that emotional response to a response based on a set of values? Yes, very much so. And how do you want to be perceived? Gotcha. You know, so so when you're in that moment. Yeah, please go. Well, just just bringing your giving yourself that space to consider that I don't want to come off. assertive or that, that how am I in that moment? I was thinking to myself, okay, you're okay. You're all good. Bill is reacting. How do you want Bill to feel at the end of this interaction? And then that's how I handled it from there. I recently had a friend tell me that he was uh, making dinner after working all day and not eating lunch because he was working straight through making dinner for the family. And put bacon in the oven, the bacon burnt and pulled it out. And the whole family was making fun of him for burning the bacon. And it kept on and on and on. And so he finally threw the bacon down, went out of the room. This was not me. This did not happen yesterday, by the way. Um, and after my friend um, <laughs> went left the room with all the kids and the wife there and when the threw the bacon down, it broke in a million pieces because it was burnt, right? Yeah. And um, I, my friend thought, you know, this was not the appropriate way to express my emotion that I want my kids to, his kids to handle, <laughs> like how how to respond appropriately. Yeah, anger is okay, right? Mm-hmm. But how yes. it comes out in us is is important to pay attention to 100%. And I think in the workplace too, like anger is okay. How we bring it out and how we express what's underneath it is, Mm -hmm. is critical in relationships. Healthy conflict. Yeah. Getting people to a place to, to be able to have healthy conflict. Yes. And you have to be willing to bear the consequences, right? Cause I remember getting coached. You need to approach it softer. You're too direct. And then I wouldn't even bring it up, right? I wouldn't have the hard conversation that needed to be had because I was so scared of how I was going to deliver it and how the other person was going to take it. So finally, I decided for myself, I'm going to say it the way that feels good to me. I'm going to think about it, but I'm going to deliver it. How they react is up to them. And then I am willing to deal with the consequences of that and work back through it with them. So if I do hurt their feelings, then I'm willing to deal with the consequences of that and work through it. 
So one of the things you said, and, and I guess, God, I think this whole episode is like the things we think and do not say. Like, I think <laughs> my friend would not want There's me a to lot of share that, that bacon that story is, yeah, on, yeah. on this episode. And yeah. he's probably never going to talk to me again. <laughs> yeah. But one of the things that you've said is, is my intentions are not in line with my actions or others' perception of me. And I wrote down that I wanted to ask you, um, one of my favorite quotes is, based on your results you have exactly what you intend. Mm. And it, and when you said what you did, it immediately took me to that because I think of that in my life often, how I behave in, in a certain moment or my actions or however perceive me. Sometimes it's not my true heart. Sometimes it's not what I want. Certainly it's in a lot of cases, uh, what my friend didn't want the family to think of him about the bacon kind of thing. Right. Based on your results, you have exactly what you intend. Does that align with what you shared? Yes. And I, I think there's freedom. When you said that, the first thing that I thought, John, was um, whether you're prepared to have, so th these incidents that happen, it's like you, that gives you freedom to deal with it. Like you can prepare to have this hard conversation exactly the way you want it to go. Um and the way you handle it on the back end, no matter how anyone reacts, is what you're going to get. So your intention, this is the hardest part, is your intention, I'm not explaining this well, but go back to my example of over-preparing. I can say it the exact right way in my mind, and Tyler will take it wrong. And then I have to remember yeah. what my intention for this interaction was, and then keep pursuing Tyler until we get to that yeah. intended yeah. outcome. Well, there's something about waiting and waiting and waiting too, right? Instead of like, yes. I don't well, do that you well. Pro process it, yes. But like the longer you, I, I've got an employee right now that I, that I want to address and discuss and I've been tiptoeing around. Mm -hmm. I want this to come off right. I want this to, I want to gather information to, to almost do like a 360 and have the whole team's input kind of and. And I've been tiptoeing around a lot, but the more I wait, the more I'm just, I get angry almost mm -hmm. instead of mm -hmm. just, instead of me just saying, Hey, this is the problems that I'm dealing with right now, internally, externally, whatever. How do we get to this point? Cause when you came on here, you told me you wanted to do this and I want you to be there, but I either got to get you there. or I got to get you gone. One of the two, you either got to be mm -hmm. in the boat or out of the boat. And I don't care if you want to swim, if you want to swim, go swim. But if you want to be on the team, you want to be in this boat, then this is what I, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm, I'm not hearing good things about those. Mm -hmm. There's something about waiting that I don't like. So yeah, let's, let's do, let's do this. Let's, uh, so if you're coaching Tyler and he has an employee that he knows is not performing at the level, he's known it for a long time. He, he is struggling with the decision of what to do with the employee what do you, what do you coach him in that moment to do? Yeah. I, so a couple things I would ask him, um, is the, is the person clear on what their goals are? You know, do, the, do they have a clear line of sight and understanding of what they're supposed to be doing? To the and penny. in, in that, what'd <laughs> the, you say? He said to, to the, the penny. To the penny. Okay. So okay. Me, and, me and Colby do some work together and, and we believe people want three things and it's almost four now, but clear expectations resources mm -hmm. to achieve them and they want to feel appreciated. So that's the three things that I constantly focus on with the employees all the time. So yes, very clear expectations, clear expectations. And, and way too many resources, way too many resources. So then I would, if you're, as long as you're confident of that, then I would ask you to deliver. Here's what I'm hearing and seeing. Here's what I need to be different. 
very yeah. directly, very black and white. And then again, you can deal with the consequences. He's going to have excuses or responses. And that's where I, like that. I see a lot, a lot of leaders fail in that part. Like they might have the guts to say it, but then we let the fluffy answers. They don't and the follow excuses. up. Yeah. They don't follow yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't think, don't miss like where she started though. Right. Like maybe it's asking that question to ensure or validate that he does have them very clearly. Right. Whether you yeah. think he does or not. I want to make sure that you have the clear a clear expectation of what's expected. From your side, what do you believe the clear expectation for me is? What do you think the like expectations leave are? Op- leave it open ended. I, I and like- don't over don't overcomplicate it. Right. That's what, so. When I've done this with people that I've led, I come in and say, "This is not working." I, I like. And that. then I state I state what I see. And then I give them a chance to talk. Yeah. I, I like what you said. Here's what I'm hearing and seeing. And here's what's going to have to happen in terms mm-hmm. of your behavior in order to be different so that we can move forward. Yes. It's, it's things like this. You know, he came in at uh, 12 o'clock the other day and said that his family is real sick and he's been cleaning toilets for hours. Have you ever cleaned a toilet that took you a couple hours? I have. Nope. It's stuff like that. <laughs> I don't that do is, anymore, Miles. <laughs> you know st- stuff like that Redwood? right talk to me later and then, and then a couple weeks later. a couple weeks later i got some family issues i'm not going to make it in today but yeah. can't but doesn't have enough respect for me to at least let me know what's going on with what I'm at family what does that mean does that mean kids does that mean wife does that mean dad does that mean somebody's in the hospital does that mean you're you're did doing, you ask him uh, not yet but i want to sit down with him i was out of town mm-hmm. mm. yeah well, and that's I, the bring it always bring it back to the work to be done, right? Yes. I have somebody on my on my team that is going through a hard time. And we just had this conversation in her last one-on-one. And it was like, I it doesn't have to be you, but the work has to get done. So you need to be communicating with me about what is re- you can't be committing to things and then showing up and not having followed through because these are goals that we have to hit. And we have other people on the team that yep. can do it, but it's up to you to take responsibility to tell me that. All right, Lindsay. I think based on this conversation, <laughs> we're gonna have. We're. I'm. Cannot. I. This might be the most excited about the five songs that I've had on <laughs> oh any guest. I cannot wait to hear what's gonna happen here. But I. One of the ways Tiny we honor dancer. our guests before <laughs> before we we land the plane here. Pull your phone out. Playlist. You better not have altered this in any way. Top five songs. I'm embarrassed. So I don't have songs. I have, I have, um, Pandora stations. Cause that's what I listen to. Okay. This okay. is, we won't shame you for, for living in, in the world of 2000 with yeah. Pandora. <laughs> I know you guys. Okay. Don't judge me. Um, Tor- Torn Wells radio, which is a Christian. Torn Wells. Okay. Yep. Americana radio. Americana. Is that got like Spanglish stuff going on? It's like show tunes. What? You can't say that show anymore. tunes. 311 Goo Goo Dolls. Ooh, that 311 Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, gotcha. oh okay. America. Yeah. Right. Excuse right. me. Excuse me. Uh, meditation Radio. Wow. Beats for Studying and Blue Christmas. <laughs> no lie. What is it? Blue, Blue Christmas. Christmas. She's okay. not working out to any of these radio stations. Okay, here's the deal. <laughs> I, we're going to have to throw something in here. <laughs> I need two songs like you can't live without. Uh, Eye of the Tiger is my favorite song. Oh, wow. Time. Yes. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. There we are. Oh, the tiger. Good job, John. Why to pull it out? 
John John went through that stage. She knew. Well, she knew exactly. Like she didn't hesitate. She knew exactly what it was, and which reminds me of that. This years ago, the Starbucks commercial where the guy, like the band, the actual band, would walk behind him throughout yeah. his day with Starbucks, yes. and they would sing it. That's probably you've imagined that a time. When, or two. when John and I first met, one of the things that he said to me is, "I'm really struggling with trading my passion for glory, and and I need help with that." And that's kind of how we got connected. So. <laughs> Song number two. <laughs> song number two. Gosh, this is hard. What is another song I can't live without? This sounds so dumb. This is what first came up. You guys are going to make so yes, much fun. This is perfect. Because <laughs> this is a song I sing to myself. This little light of mine. Okay. Oh, I'm yeah. Let it, shine. let it shine. Let it shine. I sing that to my little two year old. That's uh, so dorky. Night. But that's the song that came. To me, because I do sing that to myself. Wow. Or let let it go. Frozen might be another. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I have four. I have four little girls, so I'm very familiar with that. That song goes around your home. And my parents were divorced when I was one, so I feel you there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I was eleven. I made it ten more miserable years. And I I went uh, (laughs) and I went every other day until I was seventeen. So every other day, I went mom Monday, Wednesday, Friday, dad Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and they split Sundays. They, they they really developed wow. his ADD. It did. Wow. It developed a lot of things in my life. <laughs> Lots wow. more to unpack here, but <laughs> yep, we got to land the Southwest hey, plane. <laughs> that's right. Hey, Lindsay, thank you so much for uh, for joining and being and a part of us today. We where can somebody check out the restoration project? Yeah, yeah. Our website's the restorationprojectcom We're on Facebook, on Instagram. It's at the Restoration Project CR. Cool. That's awesome. There, there it you. is. So make sure that you do check her out, um, John. If you if you want to stay after and talk about that, your friend, I do, and the bacon. Yeah, I'll let him know uh, what we'll, you guys think. We'll be Restoration here. Project CA. You said we'll be CR. here. We'll be CR. here all afternoon. CR. Like Lindsay, Cedar thank you so much, Lindsay Leahy from the Restoration Project for Tyler and John. I'm Colby Jubenville, and this is the Go Consulting Podcast. Boom. Um.